0: My friend who's the md just messaged him he said so this gig's come in it's a little bit different we're, we're going to go to the white house for this one we we're both like this is crazy i was a lad from preston and a lad from uh from dublin <laughs> ended up kind of getting there yeah it was a brilliant experience we kind of flew in the, d- the day before to washington not very many of us actually allowed in so i think it was only the tour manager uh production manager obviously Niall and only a couple more people but yeah we ended up yeah, setting up in the uh, in the room where they do all the speeches and everything and didn't really realize how close we were going to be to everyone but we were we were on the stage and then front row was president biden and kamala harris and people you'd never expect to be in the same room as so yeah it was a very surreal kind of gig we we got to do really we played a couple of nile songs we played like a couple of irish songs as well got a chance to meet everyone and um watch him kind of fly off in his helicopter yeah that's definitely got to be up there on the list of things when you look back and think wow that was cool definitely definitely i think out of all the things that was probably the one my family were kind of like piano lessons paid off
1: (laughs) hi everyone welcome back to the keys coach podcast my name's adam and if you're joining us for the first time this is the podcast where i sit down with piano keys and synth players and talk about their life in music Today we're chatting with Louis Carell. He's a keys player who has played with Niall Horan, Olly Mers, and Amy Macdonald, amongst many others. You're gonna hear about how Louis initially got into the piano, why he still practices Chopin and Beethoven to keep his playing in shape, why Nord is his go-to keyboard. And we're also gonna hear the story of how he got the gig playing in Niall Horan's band. This is a really interesting conversation. Louis shared so many amazing insights into how the industry works and what you can do to take your keys playing to the next level. Before we dive into it, if you've been enjoying these episodes, could I ask a really small favor? If you could give the podcast a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be amazing and hugely appreciated. It helps other people to discover the podcast and join this community. Okay, we're gonna get straight into it. Here is the conversation I had with the keys player Louis Carell. Louis, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's great to see you. Uh, Thanks so
0: much for doing this. How are you doing at the moment? I'm good, and thanks for asking me to to do it as well. All good. We've got a bit of time off at the moment, so I've kind of been at home for for a few weeks, which has been nice. You've been painting, you are saying? I've been painting and doing a lot of dadding around. I've got a little two-year-old, so that kind of keeps us busy when when I'm not touring or whatever, is that quite um is
1: that quite strange going from sort of touring the world and playing stadiums to then suddenly coming back and sort of being a dad again or I don't know, be you know painting yeah. or decorating? Is it
0: quite a weird definitely shift? two different two different worlds? I think a lot of the time it must be quite difficult to adjust. Yeah, I think that's kind of always a bit of a challenge. I kind of I always kind of say to my wife like, the day I get back, I might not be completely well. One of probably jet lagged if we've been doing a big flight, but. I feel like it's you do need a bit of readjustment time sometimes, but um a lot of the time she's also very ready for me to come home. So <laughs> it's always a bit yeah. of a tricky, tricky thing sometimes, I think. Of course, of course. Well, I'm
1: really looking forward to catching up with you today. I think it's going to be really cool to hear all about how you got into all of this in the first place. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for anyone listening, Louis is an amazing keys player. He plays with uh, Nal Horan. You've played with loads of other people as well. But I think we should chat about how you got into it in the first place. Yeah. I think that's a, always a really interesting place to start. So do you remember what your first contact with music or the piano was? Yeah,
0: so I grew up in, in Preston, in Lancashire. And it was actually my grandparents who kind of got us our first piano lessons. They kind of looked right. after us a lot. My mum was a single parent, so um we were at their house quite a lot at the time. And they both wanted us to to start playing the piano, okay. So I think I was five when I started, and then my brother was uh, a couple of years older. So yeah, started mainly classical kind of playing. I, I think it was made yeah, all classical, really, and working my way through the grades. Um, I had a brilliant teacher then who kind of made it really fun uh, called Robert Rainford. He was a local kind of piano teacher, but he was was brilliant, um, massive influence for me as well. So, yeah, it was mainly kind of gotten into it through the classical kind of world more than anything. Oh, interesting. Okay. Do
1: you still play much classical music now at all? Has it pretty much all gone a different direction now? It's
0: very much gone a different direction now. And the kind of my interests were always more, I was listening to bands growing up. I wasn't really, it wasn't kind of the music I was, very connected with, although I, I, I massively appreciate classical music as well. Yeah, I guess that's that's where it all started, really, and doing all the grades and like working my way through them. That is
1: so interesting you say that. I think because I definitely had that. I mean, I did do all the grades, but it was very much like one part of the piano playing I was doing in some ways. A lot of the time, I was working stuff out by ear or just playing whatever I wanted to play, and it's kind of like I had these two versions of myself playing yeah, the piano. massively, massively.
0: Um, yeah, I think at, at school, I think whenever. a I was asked to play for an assembly or whatever i'd play like a couple of classical pieces and my friends would be like oh that's that was cool but can you play i don't know a bit of blink 182 or <laughs> yeah song we know <laughs> yeah, some <play. laughs> or some, something that was in the charts
1: some, some kind of pop kind of thing so how did you know what to play how, did, had you worked stuff out by ear or did you have i don't know songbooks or something if you were reading or were you just working out um,
0: a lot of the time i think when i was kind of at the piano on my own i'd gravitate more towards trying to learn something off off the radio or that I kind of, I like to listen to, I think. I can remember getting a few kind of piano pop books um, like back then, but it was more kind of learning by ear, I think, and just working out chords and all that kind of thing, which I wasn't really being taught in my piano lessons. It was more something I was doing outside of that, I think.
1: Yeah, I remember I, I had a similar journey because when you get the songbook, you can begin to connect chord symbols with what you're actually playing a little yeah. bit more. So when you see, it was kind of like learning off guitar charts or something like yeah, that. Yeah, It was... Definitely. It was um,
0: and then I think when it kind of clicked for me, I kind of, I was playing these chords probably in block position kind of thing. And then I can remember just a maybe a couple of days where I was like, oh, it's trying to work out inversions and I can get to this chord from there and kind of, kind of opened up the piano to me a lot more.
1: Yeah, I think that that is a real turning point when people when people really get those under their fingers, I yeah. think, because it's like, oh, wow, okay, you can actually make things actually lead to one another and chords lead to one another rather than it being this yeah, kind of Yeah, definitely. Mm. I feel really sorry for the people that get stuck in the kind of yeah, block. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. find it quite hard to get out of that, you know.
0: And a lot of the time, I guess, working that stuff out, you've got the melody in your in your right hand as well. So you're kind of trying to work out the chords with that voice at the top so it kind of makes sense to do the inversions and, and do it that kind of way. Mm. So, yeah, I guess a lot of that kind of stuff yeah. came... Just through experimenting, really.
1: Were you ever singing as well or was it just literally playing? Did you ever sing and play?
0: I'd sing if no one else was in the house. I'd, I'd Okay, sing. fair enough. But, um, I definitely wouldn't call myself a singer. But yeah, I, I, I used to kind of, I don't know, I'd have a, a few practices, I think, a few times. So yeah, it was kind of more classically trained. But on this other side of me, I was trying to learn all these songs I wanted
1: to learn. Do you remember playing in a band for the first time or with other musicians? Or uh, yeah. Was there any turning point for that?
0: Well, yeah, I guess it, up until that point, I kind of just played solo piano before then. Yeah, and then I ended up joining um, Langshiu Jazz Orchestra, which was a right, okay, a local kind of big band kind of thing. Which actually has just had their last rehearsal. Sadly, I oh, think no. they've kind of cut the funding for it recently. I think that was this year, which is a big shame because oh, wow. there's been so many good musicians who've come through um, through that kind of play that that band. Um, yeah, and that kind of introduced me to jazz and to all these amazing piano players and kind of trying to kind of get better and better at, at what I what I did and listening to I don't know Herbie Hancock and Jason Rabello and all these other amazing piano players and I think that kind of opened up a lot to me then really I think
1: the whole big band thing's really interesting isn't it because you it just sort of gets you a little bit out of that classical world yeah yeah and into kind of it still is for me like the whole big band thing is kind of uh, not, not in terms of the genre of the music they're playing but like in the approach it's like half classical mm. half kind of jazz more pop side of stuff because you're kind of playing these kind of really funky charts but everything's notated out a lot yeah, of the time yeah, in yeah. those like early big band arrangements and a lot of the time um, the
0: piano part is just an absolute mess because it, it looks like you're yeah. trying to play every instrument at the same time you've got these yeah madly voice chords yeah
1: <laughs> everything's been chucked into the same part yeah yeah i, I yeah I, I know loads of people that have come through the whole big band route as well and that really kind of got them into jazz and other styles of playing so after you did that what was like the next stage because you went to study at was it lipper you went to, you went to yeah do, um, yeah a degree
0: um i think after the big band i kind of got a few private jazz piano lessons because i was kind of very interested in that kind of thing during that time um and applied for a few different places but i think lipper was the one i, I really wanted to go to because it had more of the pop side of stuff
1: right okay
0: so yeah moved to liverpool and i met so many people i still work with now yeah. at i think there's so many so many people working within the industry or musicians or um so it's a great place for contacts and networking definitely it's got a great music scene as well hasn't it liverpool yeah it was a fun place a very fun place and it's got a very good nightlife scene as well which probably went against the rest of the stuff <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i went to liverpool for the first
1: time a few months ago and it was just like I, I just really really liked it i thought it was a really cool place actually yeah very
0: very fun city yeah
1: yeah i can imagine it'd be a great place to go for like as a student on a night out I oh it's was it was so cool.
0: cheap as well i think that was the big thing it was kind of if you yeah. could get a beer for a, a pound <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's very dangerous that's very dangerous <laughs> um yeah
1: so you obviously you, you went to lipper and you met loads of people and then how, how did you move from lipper where you were studying into the actual industry itself was there like a first yeah. break that happened
0: or someone approached you I kind of i got into like a local theater gig um straight after lipper actually so i was working kind of in a pit band probably for the next six months following that a uh, place called the royal court in, in liverpool um so i kind of did a bit of the theater thing um and then madly got a call to go on a cruise ship around the world okay a very random kind of set of circumstances led me to that and i ended yeah. up playing like in a little jazz trio for for about a year just going around the world on cruise ships so that was a very different experience something i'm glad i did then because i think a lot of people can get stuck on these ships and and end up doing that for yeah for most of their kind of career i guess but
1: I mean, it's an amazing way to see the world and kind of have all your cooking done for you and cleaning up yeah. for you. And I don't actually know many people that have done the whole cruise ship kind of vibe. What what did like a day look like? Was it a bit like Groundhog Day? Oh,
0: definitely, definitely. It was playing the same kind of venue every every night. But I mean, I was playing in jazz kind of things. Uh, so right. it was brilliant for playing through standards and all that kind of thing. But I guess the kind of the work side of it and the piano side of it was not what I wanted to do, really. I kind of done it more for the experience of the traveling and the seeing the world kind of thing. And then I kind of made the decision to kind of come off there, and I thought, oh, most of my contacts I'd met at, Lip- uh, at um in Liverpool, I'd already kind of moved to London, yeah. and I was like, I'm going to miss the boat with this if I don't just kind of jump in at the deep end and just kind of move. So yeah, yeah I can remember just moving down with a car and hardly any money, and just um. Trying to make it make a go of it in london i think
1: wow that's a big that's a big move to make isn't it especially when you've got quite a stable job on like a cruise ship playing so how did you begin to kind of develop your career because that's quite a big move isn't it To, move yeah, to complete yeah. a completely new city and just try and make a go of it so what what kind of things did you do to try and make that all happen
0: well luckily i would moved into a flat with um a friend of mine who'd started up a big music agency in um... in london old music that kind of do a lot of the the gigs in London now and that was kind of a good way in for me really it was kind of a safe safe way to kind of i was going to get some work cuz i needed to pay rent really so yeah um so that kind of ended up i was doing the london gigs for years and years so
1: when you say the london gigs do you mean kind of like corporate gigs and weddings and that kind of thing
0: yeah a bit of everything the kind of residency gigs in london a lot of the bars uh, just a bit of everything really they kind of they do a Amazing. lot of a lot of events like all over America and Europe and everything as well so it was brilliant for me as a kind of stepping stone to kind of get into that kind of London scene really and were you playing with any artists at this point or
1: was it mainly just kind of like these these bands that were doing these kind of events
0: I was I was doing a lot of the smaller session stuff but kind of up, yeah. up and coming artists and kind of thing nothing nothing that was no major kind of um like no major things really but I always I was always keeping trying to get in, involved in as many projects as I could and playing for as many people as I could and my kind of, yeah. my main goal was really to do the, the more kind of session thing, playing for, playing for artists, but it didn't happen for a long time for me really uh, when I first moved down. It's interesting, isn't it? Things can take a little while
1: to develop and you know, that, that, that whole process can be sometimes a little longer than you think it maybe is going to be, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, some people it kind of, it'll happen straight away. They might get their first gig. They've just finished uni and they're straight onto a tour or they might be touring throughout uni or whatever. Did you always know you wanted to tour? I um, I think it was, it was always something I kind of wanted to experience. I didn't know if I wanted to do it for forever, but it was definitely something I always wanted to experience doing once. Yeah.
1: Your big break came when you got asked to play with Niall Horan. So how did that
0: come about and and, and what was that like? Um, it came through someone had met at Lipper there at kind of the same time as me. And I was, I was good friends with and very much contact. I never thought it would kind of like lead to me getting something, something like that. And he was, kind of tasked with being the MD of the project and put the auditions together and kind of invited me to the audition for that one. And luckily got the gig, which was, yeah, my first major break, really.
1: Can you talk through what you had to do? Because this is, all it's, again, it's one of these things that's quite mysterious, like an audition. Yeah. Uh, can you talk through a little bit about what kind of thing goes on at the audition? What what happens?
0: So I guess everyone's kind of, at that time, he only really had one song out. So it was only, it was kind of playing through that song Uh, We didn't know if if he was going to be there or not or what the deal was, but yeah, we we got to meet him on the first day and kind of I knew a couple of the other guys he had been asked to audition as well. And I think a lot of it, half of it is obviously the playing side is a massive aspect of it, I think. And then I guess a huge part of it is also the social side of it and kind of what kind of person you are or kind of what you'd be like to tour with, I think plays yeah. a big part in all that stuff as well so I guess we were being assessed on not just on our music on on kind of how everyone could like um work as a team I think
1: so how does it work are you are you kind of all sat in like a, a waiting room and then you go in one at a time or are you all kind of sat there while each person gets up and plays and who's assessing it what's the the actual
0: day look like I, I can remember the room just full of everyone I didn't know what anyone did really there's I think there's people from every kind of I don't know some people from the label or some people from the management so I, I can, it just seemed like a big room full of, full of everyone really. And then everyone had their kind of, their chance to play through the song and to kind of chat to people during that kind of process. So yeah, I'm not sure exactly who was making the, the decisions and everything, but luckily we got the call in the end. That's fantastic. And what, and what kind of thing came straight after
1: that? So obviously you just auditioned and you got in his band. Yeah. What was the next big thing you went on to do? What was like the first gig?
0: We had the, the formal audition and then a, a few days later we had kind of, the informal audition, which was kind of going to the pub.
1: <laughs> okay, right. So it was nice. more of
0: kind of a social kind of thing, I guess, probably just to kind of see how everyone was and kind of how the band gelled together really. Um, and then we were straight into it. We were kind of into rehearsals pretty much straight after that. And then I think our first gig was the Ellen Show. Wow. And that was kind of very much thrown in at the deep end. There's so much there I
1: want to I want to ask you about. So. What what kind of year was this? Was this kind of like mid? Sort this was of 2017, twenty seventeen. Start of twenty seventeen. Okay. Yeah, Tw- start of twenty seventeen. So I guess. And how many songs had he had he had put out at this time? Was like was it just the he'd had the one main song that he'd put out at this
0: point? I think he had a, he had a couple of songs out by that point, maybe, and the album kind of written, but like in the final stages. Um okay. So we're kind of just doing the promo kind of run for the uh, the singles, really.
1: So you say you went into rehearsals. How did you choose what gear you were going to use? How did you? How long was the re- was the rehearsal period before you went and did the Ellen show? How did that? What did that all look like?
0: I think we had we had a good good run of rehearsals, maybe three weeks. Um, and I've always been a Nord player, so that was kind of my go to. Kind of a lot of it, a lot of it was mainly piano based or Rhodes based on the first album. any anyway, so it was kind of that made more sense. And I nice. think I just bought the Kronos as well, right. um, which was a stupid idea because. I didn't realize how complicated the Kronos was when I went into the rehearsals. Okay, and, You're right. <laughs> and I ended up kind Fair of... Fair with the manual. Yeah, very much. <laughs> I kind of I, I regretted bringing the Kronos in, I think. So it was all your gear that you, you used, I take it, right? Yeah, yeah, that was all our, our own gear for that initial kind of tour so yeah i guess i've always kind of been a nord a nord user since the very start of the the, the first nord stage So yeah. that very that's much so good, man. yeah it's... i'm looking
1: at getting the nord stage four at the moment i think it's just have you seen that thing where you can like uh divide the keys so you can actually have your top note on mm. a different sound to the rest of your accompaniment i just think that's absolutely like that's yeah. pretty groundbreaking yeah remember like the days where we had to split the keyboard straight down the middle
0: Yeah, uh, for me, the the only company that's kind of made it more, they really think about the keyboard player and they think about what the needs, they listen to kind of what keyboard players' needs are, I guess. And I've managed to, I did a few um, demos on the Nord Stage 4. I don't actually have one yet, but um, I got to play through all the patches and kind of make some of my own kind of patches and stuff. So, oh, wicked. um, I will get one at one stage. The only thing that really um, annoys me about them is, but I guess they have to do it, is the compatibility between each one. So, Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone was telling me about that the other day that mm. because they programmed it
1: all on the Nord Stage Three and they, that wouldn't work on the Nord Stage Four or something.
0: Yeah, and I've had a, a few times where kind of I've had a whole set programmed on I don't know the three, and then they've said, "Oh, it's great. We've we've hired in the new version." I'm like, "Oh, it doesn't work on the new version. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't yeah. load your sounds onto onto um onto the other models, but um they're great keyboards
1: though." at this point when you started doing the the work with Niall were you pretty good at sound programming or was that something you very much had to learn for that
0: gig i was very much a piano player growing up so it wasn't really a, i wouldn't say brilliant at creating sounds i, I up until when i was probably a, a lipper i was kind of mainly just using yeah. piano sounds and roads and kind right. of, um and then i think when i moved to london i realized that that was such an important part of kind of the work that i needed i wanted to get into so okay i really spent a lot of time kind of learning how to program and the most of my practice during that time was probably more of the programming side than it was um right interesting for for maybe a year or two really kind of focused on the on the programming um which wasn't something that came naturally to me at all yeah i'm not sure if it's the same like uh, how how do you find the the programming kind of thing man it's something that i'm trying to get
1: better at i think i think what i've realized particularly for doing those into these interviews is that there comes a point where everyone has to get that stuff together and it's just like oh yeah i just had to get it together for this this particular gig or this particular mm. recording i was doing and i'm very much like still learning but i'm trying to get better at it the sound design stuff what I, what I what i have noticed when i play with a really nice play piano with a really nice sound or a sound i've designed or something a sound i'm really into it does completely change my playing
0: yeah yeah definitely definitely
1: like, but actually what I'm playing on the keyboard, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's yeah, like, it, and I don't quite know why that is. I guess it's just because I'm more inspired or I feel, I don't know. I don't know why it is, but it, that, that really interests me because it's like, oh, wow. You know, mm. I could, it, you can use it. I guess it's, it's the same with a guitar with like, you know, guitar pedals and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think I ever wanted to overtake my love of actual just playing chords and playing actually what I'm playing on the piano, but it's definitely mm. something I want to get better at definitely um, definitely and i think if i get i need to get the nord stage four to really like just to, to do that i'm just talking mm. myself into buying it basically <laughs> yeah no it's good well my wife
0: um, told me before i buy any more keyboards i've got to i've got to get rid of one of them because i'm just oh yeah i'm a bit of a, a hoarder of keyboards i think yeah um, it's
1: weird i don't think i'm a hoarder of keyboards weirdly i'm a hoarder of guitars like my partner's just moved into the flat yeah and i realized that i had four guitars five no, but five guitars that actually mm. i i very very rarely play but yeah <laughs> it's kind of weird isn't it you just accumulate these instruments but they're quite personal to you as well definitely um so i've just mm. put a bunch of them up on um ebay but uh yeah they're, they're <laughs> going the keyboards aren't going though the keyboards aren't going yeah um do you have a proper piano at your where where's home for you by the way where are you where are you based at the moment are you still based in london uh no we,
0: we moved just before uh, lockdown actually
1: oh nice okay
0: which kind of worked out well considering everything that happened after the two years of yeah. COVID. But um, we moved to Letchworth, which is in, well, we initially moved to Hitchin in Hertfordshire and then we right. live in, in Letchworth now, which is kind of next door.
1: Oh, okay. Nice.
0: So still close enough to get into London. But yeah, um, so many
1: musicians live around
0: there. It's yeah. I think it, it's it? kind it's of like the, such a hub. Yeah. The, the people who kind of, they can't really afford to live in the places or buy a place in, in London, I think. Yeah. And then yeah, end, up, no, good. end up moving slightly out. No, it's so good to get some more space. That's
1: one thing I'm I'm desperately wanting at the moment. A little, a little bit more space, but it's gonna come soon, I think. It's gonna it's gonna come soon. Yeah. So you said your first gig with Nile was on the Ellen show. Yeah. So had you done any gigs on TV before that?
0: No, it was very much in the deep end for
1: me. Oh man, wow. That's a big one to do, first of all. She's I mean, I don't know if her show's on anymore, but that was like the absolute massive kind of talk show, wasn't it? You know?
0: Yeah, it was it was a very kind of yeah, it was very surreal kind of thing to be straight into that. Um, and we are only playing one song at the time, so it was kind of, right. um, and then the second one, the second gig was at the LA galaxy stadium for a big radio show. And okay. I can remember we were on a, a rotating stage with Miley Cyrus that had just been on and we'd kind of right. turned around to the stadium and I was, I can just remember the feeling of just, wow, this is what I really wanted to do. Yeah. Very surreal kind of moment. And it was very, very exciting at the time as well. Yeah,
1: what you, like how do you cope with nerves for those things? Because do, do you get affected by the number of people? Because I've, I've some people, it's been really interesting during this podcast, some people say, oh man, I'm fine doing the stadiums, but as soon mm. as I do a room full of like five or six people, I'm terrified. It's kind of weird. I mean, how Definitely. are you with that?
0: I'd probably agree with that kind of thing. I think if the, if the, if it's such a big crowd, you can't really kind of see people's faces as much or pick out yeah. people. It's not quite as, I don't know, it's, it's a different feeling. It's a lot of adrenaline, I think, as well. I still get nervous, but I think that's kind of a feeling. That's something I really missed. Like when we were when we couldn't be musicians during COVID time, I think that was probably the thing I missed the most, just the feeling of of nerves and just that something really means something to you. Yeah, um, of course. So I guess nerves can be a really good thing as well. And adrenaline as well. You get a lot of adrenaline doing doing a lot of them um, kind of shows. So no, it, it was like very that. much. Um, yeah, very much in at the deep end with that kind of thing. I think with the TV thing, you, you spend You've only got kind of two minutes of the day you've got to really be on it because you're only doing one kind of performance or performing one song um so most of the day is kind of spent kind of sitting around waiting for that for that kind of moment and just knowing when it comes that you've kind of got to be ready for it a lot of the tv shows are kind of they're filmed as live but you might have a couple of takes if someone someone was to go like majorly wrong so the pressure is slightly off in that situation because although you never want to be the reason that something has to be done again yeah um but there's a couple of the tv shows that are fully live and i think that's when i felt the most nerves for that kind of what ones
1: what ones have you done where they've been fully live was that is that the late show is that fully live
0: um it was the saturday night live was the that was completely live so it was couldn't couldn't make any kind of mistakes with that one really wow Um, Uh, yeah i think live
1: tv i mean a lot of people have said that on this podcast live tv is the absolute the, the the sort of most terrifying of all in some ways because of the permanence
0: mm. of it as well i think definitely definitely i think that's the thing you would if you're going to make a mistake that's going to stay on the internet yeah. forever
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah start the song in the wrong key oh yeah. man i did that the other day it wasn't luckily for any kind of major gig or anything but i was just oh god just didn't even think just started it completely in the wrong key like, oh man <laughs> um so what's it been like touring? I mean, how do you find that whole lifestyle? Because it's it seems like you've mm. been
0: like absolutely all over the world. How do you how do you find it? Um, I think it's kind of it makes a big difference who you're touring with. Luckily with this one, I think the everyone that's on the tour has been they've some of my closest friends. So it's kind of it's um that kind of makes it a lot easier. Being away from home is always tricky, especially if you've got family. And this time I've got a two year old now. So Oh yeah, okay. Touring's kind of a little bit more of a there's a different dimension to it now because i've got a little little baby at home as well yeah but that's got a bit more difficult but it's always been it's hard being away from a partner or, or it's just hard to be away from home i think
1: for a lot of people how long do you tend to be away at one stage i mean or does it massively vary i
0: guess it massively varies but i think they're, they're kind of sometimes we're away for three and a half weeks we go away next week for pretty much a month and next year we're away for three months in the states so that's kind of wow. a a large kind of it's quite extreme touring i think of a lot of my friends who, who do tour you don't quite go away for, for that amount of time so this is probably on the more extreme end of it but i love traveling and i love being in different places so that's kind of something i always find exciting as well
1: where's been your um where's been your favorite place you've gone to recently is there like a particular place you
0: have Yeah, uh, i think japan every time we go to japan i kind of i feel yeah. very very far away from home in a good way and we do a lot of stuff in america as well which is always fun yeah i guess those those two probably the, the most exciting oh man yeah i went to
1: south korea earlier this year oh, wow. and i know it's, i know it's not the same i just yeah. but i just i just love asia i haven't been to japan yeah um but i'd love to go i think just the, the thing i love about asia is that it's just so i know it's obviously a big continent so i'm massively generalizing but you go there and it's just so different to the uk in yeah. just so many yeah. different ways and i've I, sometimes when i go to like america or i went to australia hmm. and, like I really, you fly all this way and you end up somewhere that's quite similar in a lot of ways to the UK. But Asia, it's just like the food, the, the sounds, yeah. the smells, the like, I just love it. I just, yeah, it's my, I, I really want to go to Japan actually. Definitely, um, definitely. I'd love to go to South Korea as well. Oh, you've um, not been there? No, no, that's somewhere we've we've never got a chance to go. So. Um... Oh man, Seoul's great. I really, really liked it. Yeah, it's a really cool, it's like a kind of halfway house between somewhere like... Um, it's like half between like Bangkok or something like that and mm. like America. It's oh wow! Like a, yeah. it's like a weird kind of like cross section of those. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's it's amazing. I'd hi- highly recommend. Where are you where are you going next week? Uh, we're in Mexico for a week, okay. Then we're in the states for the next three, I think. How do you how do you, do you get quite a lot of time off on the on the touring kind of schedule.
0: Well, with this this uh, we've done a lot of promo stuff this year. So we've been mainly doing festivals and kind of. Um, right tv shows and, and a lot of that kind of thing and the main the bulk of the touring is next year um, yeah. so during the the promo kind of times you get a bit too much time off sometimes as my wife okay. would probably say <laughs> <laughs> yeah um for example i think this next three three and a half weeks we're only doing four or five different shows i think okay so, um there's a lot of time off in between then when, when you get to the touring kind of side of it um you're normally on the bus most nights so it's kind of you don't get a lot of time in in each place, really. Um, So that's kind of the difference between doing the promo and doing the the bulk of the touring. Hi, it's Adam here. I just want to quickly
1: interrupt the podcast to ask you a very small favour. If you're getting lots of value from these conversations and want to stay up to date with all our latest episodes, please do subscribe to The Keys Coach wherever you get your podcasts. This means that you can continue to hear these great conversations and you'll be notified each time a new episode comes out. And if you're feeling even more generous, please do consider leaving us a review. This helps others to discover the podcast and join this community. Thank you so much for your support. Hit that subscribe button. Let's get back to the conversation. What kind of things do you do to
0: kind of keep your piano playing in shape while you're away? Tricky, definitely or, tricky. Yeah, yeah, because you're playing the same kind of things most nights. So yeah, to keep that fresh is is um. I think you've got to do a lot of work outside of that as well. Do you have like a portable
1: keyboard or something you can?
0: Yeah, but it's, it's actually it's, it's underneath there. It's, it's got a, a Korg micro key. Um, okay. So it's only is it small enough to fit in my suitcase, and I can do a bit of practice on that, um, which yeah. you probably need to do a bit more of next time.
1: <laughs> I'd love to ask you. I mean, we will come back to like the um, the most the, the the session side of it, but when mm. you when you're when you're practicing, what sort of stuff are you? practicing is it mostly the stuff that you're going to be doing for a gig or is it do you have like other things you work on like how do you keep your how do you keep your fingers in shape um
0: probably over the last when i've been at home over the last like couple of years i've kind of since covid times i kind of really picked up my classical piano playing quite a lot oh, okay just more because i know that i need to keep my reading up and it's something that obviously i don't need for the for the gig i'm currently doing but it's such kind of a, a good skill to kind of keep up and mm keep in with, I think, and I've kind yeah. of gravitated to playing a lot of uh, classical piano, I guess, because it's so technical as well. Um, I know that it's good for me to kind of keep up with that stuff. Um, oh, wow. Good on you. What what sort of things? A bit of Chopin, a bit of, I don't know, a bit Beethoven, um, wow. Debussy. Um, yeah. Your grandma would be very happy. <laughs> I think she'd be happy about that, definitely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then I guess brilliant. the jazz kind of stuff and the the playing kind of thing is just trying to buck in as many other gigs. Outside of that, yeah. as you can, and keep doing gigs that kind of challenge you a bit.
1: Yeah. Um, do you have like any kind of like technical exercise you do? Like, are you still do you still practice scales and arpeggios and all those kind of things, or do you have kind of other things you do now? Probably not
0: as much as I should. I probably yeah. should do more. Um, I I guess I do a lot of Im- improvisation kind of a uh, practice, right? And um, where I guess you're using them kind of skills, but um, improvisation in what what kind of sense? I am, I guess just playing. Th- playing over the top of, or or playing through some changes, I guess, or, um, I think at at my kind of stage at the moment, I could probably really do with getting a lesson off someone who kind of, I really look up to playing wise, and maybe someone who just kind of rips apart my playing and just kind of (laughs) tells me to kind of, I need to practice
1: this, this, and this. Do you mean in like a classical sense, or do you mean on the more like improvising, jazz pop kind of sense?
0: Yeah, definitely. The more improvising kind of jazz, jazz playing, I think. But i think a lot of the time like the, the musicians you play with are a bit of an inspiration or someone else who's in the band or someone else you might meet in a gig in london or whatever so i think it's kind of important to surround yourself with really good players as well keep playing and keep improving 100 do you, do you
1: listen to a lot of piano players like uh like recordings and stuff
0: yeah definitely i think um i love a lot of the larry golden stuff yeah and i'm a massive herbie fan so I, Kind of listen to that but i guess that's not in in a lot of the music i kind of listen to i listen to a lot of um like bands and kind of that mm. kind of thing where i guess the, the piano is not as much kind of featured i guess but yeah i've got i guess i got two different kind of worlds where i kind of listen to different things i think yeah
1: that's amazing i i that's, that's why i love doing these interviews because i never would have got that from seeing like seeing the mm. videos of you playing live i never would have known that you were so into the whole classical side and yeah it's something I would like to get back into at some stage I think I think there's so much in there with with classical music that you can particularly on like the the hand and like the kind of just doing unfamiliar mm. I think as sometimes as keys players we can end up using very very familiar shapes going to the same voicing each time if we're not careful if we don't get yeah. ourselves out of those kind of familiar yeah um, kind of patterns and I think something like going and playing a piece of Chopin or a piece of piece of Beethoven there's kind of just mm. even like your hands to feel like kind of differently on the piano, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's so. I think that that that's brilliant. You're doing
0: that. Yeah, it was kind of something like I didn't expect to kind of get back into, but it's something I kind of I've gravitated towards in in the last couple of years. And then I guess I've, I've been trying to learn quite a bit of guitar as well. So I yeah. think that kind of changes your playing and is good for you as well, just because of so so different voicings on the guitar mm. than you would normally do on a piano as well. What
1: kind of things have you noticed about the guitar that because that's something i'm really fascinated with is how mm. the guitars the guitar can like influence your piano playing and i've spoken with a few people about this but i think the way guitarists think about chords and the way they actually phrase and they like think pick. oh my god did you sorry just a slight <laughs> detour did you see that larry golding's video you've got to check it out if you haven't seen it it's like uh he's playing piano mm on this guitar sound but it sounds just like a guitar not because of the sound of the piano or like the the i think i did i have seen that recently yeah but it's like the way he's choosing to arpeggiate the chords Mm. is so like how a guitarist would voice yeah yeah those chords it's like he i don't quite know how he's done it i mean i'd love to know actually
0: i'm guessing Um, he must play a bit of guitar himself to kind of be able to replicate that, that um that closely but I think the two the two instruments together I think if you can kind of I'm, I'm definitely not a very good guitarist but I think the more I improve with guitar I think it would improve my my piano playing as well just in terms yeah. of different ideas and different ways of approaching harmony I guess.
1: Yeah 100%. I mm. think that I think that's really interesting. Niall obviously plays guitar. Is that kind of has that changed does that change how you voice things on piano when you're um when you're playing with
0: him? A lot of the time we kind of there's a bit of kind of um creative license with stuff but you you are most of the time playing what was actually on the track kind of thing yeah so i guess it doesn't change your voicings that much the other guitarist on the gig is an absolutely brilliant player so kind of a lot of the stuff he plays kind of kind of influence a lot of the things you play as well yeah. and i think having having them kind of people on, on the gig makes a massive um Massive difference, I think. Yeah, of course. Cool. So it's it's
1: it's obviously you and then there's another guitarist, drums, bass, what other what other instruments are in the band? And I well there was a violinist at one
0: point. Yeah, so so it's it was mainly the the kind of core of, of us have been doing it since twenty seventeen. And then this year they've added in another keys player called Danny McGinley, who's absolutely fantastic as well. Um she's actually based out in LA, but she's from okay. London. Um and we've got emily who plays guitar and uh, violin as well and they both they both sing brilliantly as well so that's been it's been a big plus for the band i think yeah Um, of course beefed it up yeah definitely definitely and i think the 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 female bvs have really kind of added a lot to the the Mm. performance i think we we all used to sing before but i think um sounded more like a load of people just roaring i think
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's so interesting you've got um another keys player so how does that work Mm. in terms of uh you not treading on each other's toes in terms of sounds working out who's going to do what what's kind of the process for that
0: so it kind of worked in in a good way whereas in um i was kind of playing the maximum amount of of stuff i really could um right and there was still a little bit of stuff on track because there's a lot of i don't know when you when you look at the actual stems there's i don't know sometimes there's about 90 different stems of, of instruments and things so okay there's a lot of um a lot of extra synths and like programmed noises and stuff and Danny yeah. seems to be kind of taking a lot more of that kind of stuff and she's got a profit in the Kronos. and then I'm I'm kind of taking the bulk of the piano playing and the um and the roads kind of sounds and all that kind of
1: okay right
0: so I guess that's how it's being shared out <laughs> at the moment um and there's definitely room for like there's enough on the tracks for for two keys players so it's um it works quite well really
1: yeah yeah so you yeah that sounds that sounds really interesting because it's I guess you have to divide up exactly and that you're if you're taking care of like the more kind of like harmonic information then there's more mm. like other sound and sonic stuff that's happening from her that's really interesting yeah
0: yeah um yeah it's been, it's been a massive plus for the band i think having the um having the two girls join. so that's been
1: good. you recently got to meet President Biden that must have been quite a sort of pinch yourself kind of moment, so do you want to talk us through how that came about yeah definitely that
0: was very surreal kind of situation one of the kind of crazy gigs we've we've been asked to do yeah um basically at the White House every year they have an Irish artist who kind of goes in and I think one year they have the river dance going or they have they've got something Irish going in for St Patrick's Day every year and Niall was asked to do this kind of performance for for St Patrick's Day so I can remember just my friend who's the MD kind of um just messaged him he said so this gig's come in it's a little bit different we're, we're going to go to the White House for this one Oh, and wow. it was um we were both like this is crazy like i was a lad from preston and a lad from uh from <laughs> dublin <laughs> ended up kind of getting there but um yeah it was a brilliant experience we kind of flew in the, d- the day before to washington and uh there was it was not very many of us actually allowed in so i think it was only the tour manager uh production manager obviously Niall, and only a couple more people yeah they, they went to kind of scout out the thing the day before kind of came back and and told us like we're working off Beringer desks and like <laughs> okay you th- you think you're going to play the White House and it's going to be the most like top quality equipment and everything but yeah it was actually the the absolute opposite of that but yeah we ended up going in the day of the the gig and yeah setting up in the uh, in the room where they do the all the speeches and everything oh. um and didn't really realize kind of how close we were going to be to everyone but we were we were on the stage and then the front row was uh president biden and kamala harris and i don't know all these other people you'd never expect to be in the same room is so yeah it was a very surreal kind of gig we we got to do really we played a couple of nile songs and we played like a couple of irish kind of folk um songs as well and we Amazing. got got a chance to meet everyone watch him kind of fly off in his helicopter <laughs> <to> the... <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool that is like a, a
1: sort of on the top yeah like your your list of things in your life when you're like when you look back you're like wow that was pretty cool definitely definitely um, i think out of yeah. all the
0: things that was probably the one my family were kind of like this is the piano, play, piano lessons paid off <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. it's good
1: I think um that must also have been one where you were particularly nervous because it's like such a small I, I, I think I saw a picture of it like mm. a very small kind of intimate gig as well and very exposed as well I imagine there was no track or anything it was literally just yeah yeah it was yeah. just
0: um me Jake the guitarist and, and Niall as well very surreal kind of thing and then we were yeah, on the plane the same night back to London and into rehearsals the next day so Wow. It's very, a lot of flying in your, um, there's so much, <laughs> so much flying about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the tricky side of, that, of the touring kind of thing. If you, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of travel kind of involved. Luckily, are you quite, quite good with um jet lag? I'm quite good at sleeping. So that kind of really helps
1: with okay, the jet lag. Okay. Right. So yeah. Spend a lot of yeah. time sleeping so you've also um you've also dept on another of other projects as well from your work with with Nile. so and sometimes you've just gone in to cover a gig or something or work with an artist on one occasion so I think that's really interesting because it, it, it can be quite challenging to suddenly parachute into an, another band another set mm. of music another setup so maybe you could just talk a little bit about some of the stuff you've done and 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 how you've how you found that and and what kind of things you've had to get together in order to be able
0: to do that yeah definitely um I guess a lot of that works mainly come from other piano players, actually, friends or people like contacts and kind of stuff who mm. maybe can't do a, a certain section of the tour, um, kind of ask you to kind of go in and cover quite a few dates. Okay. Um, and that's been really fun, actually, been been playing like different music and learning different set lists and things um, and play with different musicians. So that's been really fun. Got to do, I think it was last year. Was doing Oliver's for quite a few of the summer shows, right. um, depping for Sean Barry, and then um, doing some stuff with Amy McDonald as well last last summer as well. So it was, it was good. It was it was good fun to be um like learning a lot of different music and playing through different set lists and kind of having a bit of a, a, a change so that's been good
1: yeah and obviously you're trying to learn all that material when you're maybe
0: doing it like on the
1: road with Nile as well so how does how does that work how do you how do you learn when you're when you when, how do you store it all in your head have you got do you make like charts do you kind of is it just a case of listening over and over to it
0: I think my my kind of process with it all has always been and I guess it was from doing a lot of the, the gigs in London where you kind of had a, a few different set lists to learn a week sometimes um right okay and learning like trying to work out medleys and all these kind of different things but i guess yeah my first kind of my first kind of process of it is to chart out in my own kind of shorthand way um like a rough kind of chart for the for the thing and i think more than anything it's it's like a visual thing for me just to have that there is something to, to kind of look at and yeah then, okay and then i think a lot of the the next part of it is for me is the programming side of that right and doing the programming straight away and trying to find like the right sounds and um, yeah, get that under my fingers first. And then I think my next kind of thing is just to kind of I'll download the music to my phone, if it's a Dropbox or whatever, um, and just play it wherever I am. So if it's I'm on a flight or I'm on the mm. tube or play it in the car and just trying to absorb as much of it as possible, really. I think that's so that's particularly
1: whenever I've had to learn like a, a load of material for a gig. Mm. Whenever I sit down to learn something, I don't ever quite learn it as deeply as when it's just on around me. Mm, you know, mm. when it's like on around you, it's subtly going in, it's going into your subconscious where it's like, right, I've now got to learn this. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, quite exactly. a hard, yeah. That can be quite, it's weird how actually when you just have it on around you, particularly before you start learning it, you've kind of already learned it because it's
0: just yeah. in there. Definitely. And then think, it becomes yeah. much more, I don't know, have you found that? Yeah, massively. I think you yeah, pick up so much when, you just play it every time you've got a bit of spare time you, you absorb it yeah. a lot more and then the next time you're at the piano or the keyboard you've kind of it's already in there yeah and, um, 100%. and then i guess the last process is to try and wean yourself off the initial chart that you did in the first place but yeah that's kind of been my my process of learning learning things yeah um, and just to play it as much as possible just really kind of have it in your in your mind mm. and brain especially i think the hardest thing is when you've you've got a couple of different set lists and you kind of yeah. Trying to remember a whole yeah. set of music for like several different artists is hard. And then you have that recurring nightmare of completely forgetting everything and yeah. just turning up on stage and and forgetting what you're doing. <laughs> I take it that's
1: never happened. Luckily not. No, that's, that's been good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's funny though, you do just you can just get mind blanks, but it just in some ways it just shows you're human. Do you know what I mean? That everyone
0: yeah. no one's yeah. everyone's Yeah. And I think a lot of the time is kind of how you recover from that. If there is something, maybe you have yeah, um, fluffed a cord or, I don't know, something, If yeah. and I think it's how you let that affect you for the rest. Because obviously them kind of things over the space of kind of a career, you can have a few of them little moments, but mm. it's being able to kind of recover from that as fast as possible and I think that kind of only really comes from experience I think and doing yeah. it
1: doing it quite a lot 100% I, I totally agree I think the power mm. like yeah the power of recovery yeah like yeah. If you can practice recovering from stuff definitely, that is the best definitely. skill to practice that's what you need to be able to do really yeah I think I got really good at that when I was at school actually mm. Because I used to have like a bit like you were saying earlier, you have to play for different things, and I just mm. I used to get asked to just play for everything because it was such a small school I went to, and very yeah. few people played the piano, and like it was basically just like, can you accompany this? Can you accompany that? And I was just making it up a lot of the time, yeah, And yeah. But I got quite good at sort of masking mistakes. It's that it's that it's mm. masking mistakes. It's like yeah, definitely. You sort of learn these little tricks for how you can sort of turn it into something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So oh yeah, I was I was just you know. <laughs>
0: yeah I'm trying to make that sound make this bit sound even better that's a lot yeah. of stuff you kind of learn at kind of an early kind of stage as well like you said at yeah. school it's kind of i guess you have to grow up doing that kind of thing and just putting yourself out there mm. well louis it's been absolutely great chatting with you
1: today I've great really chatting
0: liked... to you too as well and it's a brilliant podcast i've been i've been listening to quite a few of the other other episodes and like it's a great thing you're doing cheers and man uh, i
1: really really appreciate that it's funny it's um I'm learning so much as well from doing it. I've realised as well. I, I probably said this. On, you also forget what you said on the podcast. So people have probably heard me say this before. But it's actually quite rare to sit down with someone and talk about stuff for like an hour. Yeah. Like, I don't know any time outside of doing this that I've sat down and talked with another keys player about playing piano.
0: Yeah. Like yeah. when you go
1: to the pub and stuff you talk about everything it's like oh how's this going you know oh you heard you went on holiday yeah. oh you was doing this gig what's that like oh, okay and then you go back on something else and you and it's actually <laughs> really good to just sit down and chat about this stuff because people don't I, mm. I, I, I very rarely get the chance to do it so that that's one of the reasons why I'm loving I'm loving doing it. that's very kind of you to say I always ask the same question at the end which is like is there something you haven't done yet which you're like ah oh, this is i'd love to do this i'd love to go and play for that artist or i'd love to get into this particular line of work or mm. more recording rather than like i don't know what what kind of stuff what is there something you haven't done yet that you're like that's going to be me i, I want to do that
0: yeah i think definitely a few things there's, there's a i'd love love to keep playing as a session player i think um and that's a, a massive part of it but i think also i love the idea of the studio musician who kind of goes in and gets a, a bit of creativity to kind of put into things um yeah and I think I need more of a creative outlet as well I think that's something that kind of I've been craving a lot recently um and I don't have as much time because I've got a little toddler at home <laughs> so I think my time is a bit limited in that kind of way but um I think yeah definitely having a, a creative output and I guess mm. as I'm getting older having a bit more balance in in life as well um mm. touring thing can be quite tricky um if you're away for long periods of time working towards something that is maybe a little bit more balanced i think
1: what um what creative so i'm putting you on the spot now but <laughs> what what creative project what is this what kind of thing would that be do you have any idea at the moment was it still kind of developing would it be like your
0: own songs i think I've, I've always been interested in the film kind of um composition side of things okay um and that's always been something i've kind of dabbled in a little bit and not kind of totally seen through um, and also kind of a, a, my kind of love of songwriting has definitely um, become more of a thing recently as right. well. I would never say I'm a great singer, but kind of creating music and writing songs and, and doing it with other people, I think is something I'd, do, I'd like to do more of maybe at some point, get a little studio space. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, you should You're 100%. I'd love
1: yeah. to hear that. That'd be amazing. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Where can people go in? Uh, where can people go and hear you
0: play? I, um, I guess a lot of the, uh, we're, we're touring a lot next year. Um, we're kind of all over a lot of uk stuff and a lot of american stuff so i think playing live obviously and then my instagrams probably the only thing that i kind of keep updating okay i probably need to get my website back up which i haven't yeah. done for a while so um, yeah yeah it's all on the list the to-do list yeah the big to-do list uh, along with well painting in the of, kitchen
1: yeah definitely and all that <laughs> kind of stuff <laughs> oh man thank you so much for coming on um really enjoyed chatting to you you too great speaking to you Massive thanks to Louis for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed that conversation. Go and check out all those links in the description and go and see him play live. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Until then, remember to subscribe to The Keys Coach wherever you get your podcasts and I'll see you in the next episode.